I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Ben Solek. Craig Rolbeck is not with us here in Indianapolis at the Combine, and it's just too complicated to get him on. We're here. He's in, he's in a live Zoom. We tried to figure out a way. We're not even bothered. If we had new technology, we would have brought him on. However. Exactly. We didn't bring the tech guy. So he's here. We're sorry, he's not here. Three of us are here. It's the Combine. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, mm-hmm. so we have not actually seen the workouts. The quarterbacks and receivers are working out tonight, and then all the other positions throughout the rest of the weekend. With that said, we do know Kenny Pickett's. We do know Kenny Pickett's hand size. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> the, the talk of the town right yes. now. So we're going to go through all the news from the weekend, or, or the week. I don't know. Who knows what time it is? We're going to go through the news from the week, but let's just start with the news of the day, which is Kenny Pickett has tiny baby hands yes right uh does this he has eight and a half inch hands which i think are the smallest that would ever be for a quarterback smallest and since vic yeah michael so vic apparently was eight or uh yeah eight he's, and a half he's gonna be michael vic is basically one-to-one data point yeah quarterbacks with eight and a half inch hands are michael vic uh-huh ergo kenny pick is michael wow. vic <laughs> same skill set so he's the number one guy there we go and one that of was easy pick. so this is uh this is a situation where I think we talked about this before the combine. Are we double counting this? Like we already knew yeah. he had short, he had small hands. Uh, we got that officially confirmed today. That was never really going to be a surprise. However, I would say there was reports that his hands are eight and a quarter coming into the uh, week. So that the quarter fact inch, that, baby. that quarter inch, championship quarter inch, tacked on a quarter say, inch by massaging. I was about to say, does a quarter inch matter? And some people are going to be like, oh yeah, it matters. There's a lot of like veiled. Yeah, you know, like sexual innuendo going on with I like don't the even hand know if it's veiled. It's just like very obvious innuendo yeah. <laughs> happening here with like, does size matter? Um, also, I want to be yeah. safe. You think the very serious NFL executives aren't making those kinds of jokes behind closed doors? Um, oh, an NFL uh, executive wrong. making a, 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 dick, dick, a joke? dick joke? <laughs> Impossible to conceive of. Yeah. Um, so I would just ask, so like, number yeah. one, like bottom line, does this matter? So it does yeah. in the sense that uh, he's going to play with two gloves. Uh, we've seen him play with two gloves previously. He's going to do that again in the future. And that kind of can affect grip, uh, especially, you know, we've seen quarterbacks go two grips in really cold weather. And so he's going to be more uh, 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 affected by cold weather is likely. Uh, PFF has him with a total grade passing grade of 37.2 in games which he's played in the rain over the course of his career. Ooh. 
So there have been uh, data points in Pickett's career, whether it's wearing the two gloves or playing bad in the rain, that indicate his hands were small. And oh, lo and behold, it turns out his hands are small. So it's not double count. We know this is a thing. Yeah. Cold weather teams are really going to care about it. At front offices that have old heads in their scouting department, whether it's the GM or the director of college personnel or whatever it is, are going to really be uh, uh, cognizant of that. Right. It's not a death knell. It's not a takes you off our board sort of a thing, but it is a that we're going to flag that. We really better believe in a lot of the other guy stuff on this guy in order to like feel cool with risking him here in Green Bay or in Buffalo. They're obviously not taking quarterbacks, but you get my example. I think if anything, yeah. it's stocked down because. He was like, I'm double jointed. And then, <laughs> and then he spent, yeah, I think it was right, hand massage exactly. till it like, went to, to up to eight and a half. It's stocked down because you should have just owned it, man. You should have just made, measured it at the senior bowl and been <laughs> yeah, like, no, got the, you, got, you have to rip that band aid off early and just play. like, yeah. like, we did a whole extra three, four, five weeks, whatever the heck it is, of like, oh, when we pick his hand size, and all you got was an extra quarter of an inch of all your, your massaging and stretching. Lame. I think, I think you found one of the weird websites to sell like hand, hand extending pills. I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, that's like always on the, the, the ads The ads on our... Has this happened to you, though? The best thing about Kenny Pickett's hand size is it came out, and within 30 minutes, I have a text from my younger brother. Is, do you do pinky to finger, pinky to thumb? Or how far? Like, he, yeah, where's the base? He, right, he wants to know how to measure his own hand size because now I've had multiple people ask me, okay, wait, how do I measure this? Because they want to know if their hands are bigger exactly. than Kenny Pickett's or not. Ken, Kenny Pickett is doing the world a favor because of hand, <laughs> hand size awareness is, yeah. is a thing now. Like People want to know how, how big their the, hands are. You know those Google charts that show how often something's been searched? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how does the Stay NFL right. measure hand size? Just have this weird spike. Oh, yeah. wait, so, just, so we don't skip over the step, DK. Does it matter in terms of throwing the ball or is it strictly in terms of like when holding they it, fumbling, like they hit you and it's how often like your hand gets hit that you'll actually lose the ball and fumble? I think it's both. About it, it's both. You know, it, it is about your ability to like spin it, throw it, like grip it with and, and grip it and rip it, as they say, with velocity. We love that. We love that. Um, if you can't hold on to the ball enough, like it matters. Like I, I, I really do think this matters. The, the Shades of Grey, which is like the theme of our show here, is like it, the question is how much does it matter? Um, different teams are going to look at it differently. And I think a lot of teams will be sort of, some teams, I don't know about a lot of teams, some teams will definitely say, we're just not going to want to bet on an outlier because he is a historical outlier in terms of hand size at the quarterback position. Some some teams will be willing to make that bet because they they look at his tape and say, we don't really see it showing up a lot. He plays in Pittsburgh, which I guess is cold for part of the fall at least yeah um the yeah, thing is yeah. it's cold in pittsburgh Mr. <laughs> right. yeah, but Washington it's not State. But all of his like road acc games were in like duke and clemson you know what um, i mean like, i went and i looked through like yeah. his game logs i was curious about it and it's like you know oh november against clemson 76 degrees and sunny and it's like i don't know, <laughs> I don't know cold weather game so i think there is just the betting on an outlier is i think the bottom line here some teams are not going to be willing to do that some teams are going to say the other stuff that you know that he has the other traits that he has the other skills that he have has is a, enough for us to bet on him and, and look past this thing. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, this is an outlier. And so it does matter, I think. Yeah. I think it's funny because this is the most relatable thing about the entire draft process because everyone who's ever played sports or thrown a ball, pick when you get one of them like regulation size, like NFL or basketball, when the right, different, yeah. like you try to dunk a basketball and you try to palm like a bigger size one, like, yeah. you're like oh, man, when I, I, when can't I, do when this. I dunk <laughs> basketballs and I go to palm, and I often palm <laughs> basketballs, when I go to palm the regulation size basketball. <laughs> Really, just you feel the difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, this with is all this said, interesting. DK, you have Kenny Pickett as your number one quarterback on the board. Right. Is he still going to be that? Whew. I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of internal struggles with this because I think Malik Willis is, is uh, sort of the other spectrum of it because his physical traits are so 
intriguing and so high level. And he is an outlier in the good way in terms of his athleticism and arm strength. Um, but on the other side of the coin there, he's like more raw. You're going to have to teach him how to, um, he just doesn't have as much experience playing in a pro style offense or whatever is what the NFL does nowadays. You know, it's not necessarily pro style like the old days, but, um, I think there's just a rawness there. So I have to, it's like balancing one thing versus the other. I would say, I still believe that Pickett has the upside to be a starter in the league. I still think he has a pretty high floor and he's going to come in and, and be able to run an offense, but I don't think he has the highest, um, ceiling. And so, at the end of the day, I, I do think that Willis or that Pickett will end up be, still being my QB one, but um, Willis has definitely closed the gap for me. Yeah, excuse us if there's like you know sounds of kitchen staff dragging large carts of media room. Uh, yeah. We're in the kitchen. If that sounds, what, if that's I'm what it sounds like, on it's the because that's of the what Indianapolis Convention <laughs> Center. No, you're on the hot seat. Living on the oh wow, I love it. Okay, so. But if you move him, aren't you double counting? Aren't you doing the thing that you just said not to do? I think it's. If anything, it's not double counting what Pickett has done. It's, it's a it's, double jointing. It, right. It's uh, it's more just being uh, more and more impressed with Willis, if anything. Yeah. It's like like Pickett hasn't really moved in my mind. Like I still think he's like sort of a mid-first rounder. Um, and yeah. I think, It feels like we're ramping up for a strong next couple weeks of the league being like Malik is consensus quarterback one. Yeah. And that's a lot about what the class doesn't have in terms of like a clear starter, clear run one guy, whatever. But it's also Malik's having a good week. He's not running. He's not working out. And that's probably going to be a really cool workout in Liberty. But you've seen reports now from multiple people of like, you know, who's interviewing really freaking well? Mm -hmm. Malik Willis, baby. Okay, so it's the interviews. Because, like, I think most people here, oh, he didn't work out. It's having a good week. Like, what the hell does that yeah. mean? This is, I mean, if you think about it in terms of, like, I don't know, uh, what's a good metaphor for us investing in something in our lives the way a team is going to invest in a quarterback with a first-round pick? It's difficult to think of one. Huge investment, right? It's like, I don't know, like... Buying a car. Right, buying a car, right? I want to, like drive the vehicle before I buy it, right? This is the first time a lot of these coaches and general managers are meeting mm -hmm. these people. Like, Kevin said, like, meeting, like, hello, I'm Malik. Hello, I'm John, the general manager of the Seahawks, right? Yeah. The, the interview swing matters because, you know, for as much as we'd like for the NFL to be a perfect evaluation process, a lot of it is cut of the jib. And if you meet mm -hmm. Mike Willis, cut of this guy, mm -hmm. exactly. yeah. you shake his hand, you have a nice firm handshake. And like Malik tells about liberty. He's like, it's oh, 100%. Man, I love ball. Like, oh, I love ball too, Malik. I like to cut this guy's jib. That's a real thing. Interview swing because it's, yep. the first, it's not like, oh, the third time. Oh, whatever. It's the first time they're meeting yeah. these guys. And that first impression changes a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I think it, so if you look at it from the team's point of view, in a lot of cases, GMs and coaches are hitching the, their wagon, their career to this person. On a dude, right? Yeah. yeah because if, you screw if, you, if this if you kid screw screws up, up, I will get fired. Potentially. Mm -hmm. Like, very strong chance, yeah. Yeah. Like, if this guy's not very good in the NFL, I'm losing my job and potentially yeah. changing my entire future. So they have to go in and really trust a person um, to be mature enough to put the work in, mature enough to learn and develop. And I think you have to... Um, obviously, how to determine that is impossible. It's like, you know, that's the reason so many teams miss on... on draft prospects in general and quarterbacks in particular. So I think, yes, it, there's been a lot of reports and whispers that he has had really good interviews this week. I think they've, um, there's been reports where the teams are putting him on the whiteboard and having him talk, you know, like talk ball, talk offense. And then they've been, he's been really impressive in that sense. So that kind of, um, you know, maybe makes the concerns about his rawness a little less. And so that I think all together is why he's having such a good week. It's not because he's going to run the 40 and 4-4 or whatever it is, but um, it's because of the um, 
just interpersonal stuff, honestly. And I, and I think that's huge because you have to be able to trust this person to put your career in their hands. I will say he was the loosest and most genuine at the actual podium cool itself. Dude. I mean, he literally admitted, someone asked him about, you know, love of the game. He's like, I thought football was boring when I was a kid. And someone asked him, when did you think, like, when did it not get boring? He's like, when I was really good. Yeah. No, <laughs> dude, dude, there is so much untapped equity in an agent advising a guy who obviously can't handle himself and like, be honest and funny. Like, you want to win the podium, yeah. make one very easy joke. Not even like a good joke, just one very easy <laughs> joke. First, it's going to get retweeted a thousand times. But also, it just, it projects looseness. It projects, I belong here. And a big part of the college NFL process is who belongs, who can handle this increased scrutiny, increased visibility, increased expectations. And if you're up there at the podium just being like, I didn't always love ball. When did you love it? Once it was really easy. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, that, that's going to apply. Yeah. Wait, wait, so the way it works for, for everyone listening, the way it works is like there's like, I don't know, 10, eight podiums or something. Yeah, and yeah. like they, they bring the guys up in 15 minute increments. And it's the same spot for where the coaches and GMs all speak. All three or 32 coaches and 32 GMs speak this week right. in theory. And then all the prospects. And it's just like this parade. But, you know, there's like a huge crowd for like the quarterbacks. And then there's like, you know, some seventh round running back prospect over there. And yeah, Solak yeah. was saying, if you're that guy, you got to just start like spewing. Like yeah. you got to say some I crazy would do, I would do the wildest <laughs> things, mostly for my own entertainment because <laughs> yeah. I am a child. But also because like you got to get people over to the podium somehow. Yeah. So I think what I landed on officially. What is, would you do? Yeah. Yes. If I were like a, a, a sixth round guy, seventh round guy. Right, and they come to me. Right, you're gonna get super generic questions because nobody really knows you. Like, no one knows who you are. How's the week been? Who are you? Yeah, <laughs> it's and, awkward. And I would have, I would have a strong anti combine take ready. <laughs> right, I would have a strong like, how's the week been? Bullshit, yeah, like, yeah. dude. This sucks. Like, I'd be like, I, I, I'm here because I got to be here. A job interview, I get that. I'm doing my best, but like, and I would talk about like how long they're standing in the hospital. Right, and uh, yeah. uh, St Stephen Holder wrote a really good piece of the Athletic this week for those who have the Athletic about like you know two bags of chips for six hours in hotel waiting rooms, you know, what I mean? or in hospital waiting rooms, I should say. Like, you know, like it, it sucks. I'd be like, oh yeah, it totally blows. And then I'll get some more follow up questions about that. Right. <laughs> Totally accumulate, accumulate some more people. And then once I get more people, I would start singing the praises of the combine, right? <laughs> once I got 10 or 12 people there, I'd be like, the thing is, like, this is just the greatest event I've ever been. <laughs> and then try to bury the original lead with just a bunch of other people. Yeah, that's a lot <laughs> of thought. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I need something to do while I'm talking to you. you're waiting. Exactly. This is my scheme. Agents, come talk to me. I'll get you guys set up. Yeah, that's why Kenny Pickett was an hour late to the podium. They had a massage his thumbs till they were recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like, wait, hold on. Before we, before we move on from Pickett, what's your like bottom line Pickett Willis? Are you still you're not you're not that high on Willis, or at least you weren't coming into the combine. Yeah, I've how are you I, feeling about that? I prefer Willis to Pickett. And yeah. I, I did when we first did our quarterback pod, um, I still do. And much like you said, if there's any quarterback takeaway this week, it's that Willis feels like he's he's rising. Mm -hmm. Um, talking to people who are Willis fans, like Steven Ruiz, who works at the ringer, but like other people in the field, NFL people who really like Willis. Uh, I'm uh, the ice is starting to thaw for me. I'm starting to get yeah. warm for the idea. Where really, yeah. it's the way I've started to talk about it is if you're the Washington Commanders, and we're about to talk about quarterback movement for the rest of this podcast, you're the Washington Commanders. Ron Rivera is very clearly on the hot seat. I know this because there was a piece where uh, there were sources saying that Washington has called every team about their quarterback <laughs> in the league. Right. So they're having a little a bit of a scary spot here. Poor um, What do you think the call was like with Ron Rivera calling the Chiefs about yeah. Patrick Mahomes? What do you think that phone yeah. call? I think you just got to yeah. shoot your shot, I guess. Yeah. Like, hey, like, tough season, disappointing <laughs> Imagine if season. he said yes. Yeah. He's like, yeah, oh. Yeah, we'll take <laughs> an offer. Okay. What, what are you thinking, five? Five first rounders? <laughs> um, anyway, um, the uh, uh, Washington run of air is probably on the hot seat. 
for one of those teams, I still think a picket or a Ritter makes more sense. Like a Ritter who I prefer makes more sense because you can get that guy in the building and win right now. Right. They are ready to go. Right. When we're talking about the teams that are in the top 10 and really like aren't in that position, yeah, why not just gamble on a Willis, man? Like just take the swing. It's like if it's a 2% proposition. This is fundamentally yeah. why teams screw up and why teams in the NFL are screwing up is because eight, yeah, really, no, I was going to say eight to 10. Eight teams at most are thinking, not even long term, medium term because they have job security. Right. And then you have half to two thirds of the league are just thinking, well, I'm like toward the end of this tenure of this job I worked my whole life to get. And like I'm working out of desperation. And, and like, so they're thinking defensively and they're like, well, this has to work now. Instead of building something, they're just trying to maintain because, well, if it all goes to hell, whatever, I get fired. It's not my problem. And like, that's what it means when Kevin Clark every year is like, there are only eight teams going for the Super Bowl. Actually trying to win. It's so <laughs> weird the Bengals made it because the last 10 years, last 50 years of the NFL, it's teams that were actually building something. So I don't know. I, I just, you're not wrong. It's just crazy that how prevalent that is with these billion dollar businesses that they're just like, just skin of their teeth, just trying to get by every day like everyone else. Right. And that's, that's, that's it. Is it, it, I was talking with, with somebody this, you know, about this idea this week. And basically the conclusion that we came to is a reminder that a general manager's first job is not to win games. Head coach's first job is not to win games. It's to be employed next year. Right? <laughs> and, you're, yeah. and, and that, and your second job. <laughs> so it's sell the bill of goods to the owner, keep your job. And then the second job, which hopefully is a little bit correlated, win some games. This so is like the, the, the big picture. Sorry, one last note. And I think this is why the big picture, a lot of people will be, you know, like be for having job security long term, even if like the results aren't happening. Like, for instance, this mm-hmm. was like why I think the Giants agonized over firing Joe Judge or not is because, you know, continuity and having that long term process where they're building and they're not trying to like keep resetting and keep yeah. bringing in new ideas. And you got coaches in, in different cycles. Like they wanted to have like basically what the Steelers have is you know, the, the coach is not worried about getting fired because if one or two things go wrong this year and they end up having a losing record or whatever, they, the, he, Tomlin knows he has that long term um, tenure and, and the patience from the front office right. to do you know, to do his plan and see it through. And so um, I think that's why there is an argument for not overreacting and firing coach if he has a bad year or two. But like, I don't think, like Judge is probably a bad example because like there was not really any signs that he was doing the right, <laughs> right. stuff. But like, So Rick Spielman's a good example. Yeah, Spielman is one of the only GMs of the last 15 or so years to get to pick a first round quarterback twice. Interesting. Right? He yeah, did yeah. Ponder, didn't work, and then he did Teddy. Now Teddy was the 32nd overall pick. So it's a little bit, you know, uh, different. Um, but, uh, you know, you also have like uh, in Buffalo, there was a little bit of a weird transition, but they had like EJ Manuel and then Josh Allen. It's very rare that you see a well, general manager get to pick two first round quarterbacks during his tenure. Yep. The and Bucks had that with Jason Light because he picked Jameis and then got to get Brady to fix his mess. It's different. Uh, it's, it's different. I mean, because like Light obviously was really much on the hot seat that year. It's very different between picking a first-round quarterback and saying Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Yeah. Signing that free agent. You know Because <laughs> right. I mean? you know what that guy is. And it's very rare, rare that a GM gets to take two swings, two gambles. And that is probably wrong, right? Because the thing about sure. a gamble, the thing about a roll of the dice is that it can fall wrong even if it's the right process. It can fall wrong for any number of reasons. RG3, you know, one time. Andrew Luck, one time. And then all of a sudden, you don't get the second opportunity. So I agree. And then even when it happens, the Bears just did that, where Ryan Pace somehow stayed on long enough to draft Justin Fields and then stays on for one year and then yeah. gets canned anyway. And yes, another two staff, examples. That's stats from before that draft. But yes, yeah, another two examples. Spielman and Pace.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Good segue to something that we did want to talk about here is, is Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury both got extended this week through yeah. the 2027 season. So yes. like long-term extensions, obviously there are question marks around both of these guys, honestly. And Kime was uh, one of the few GMs, I believe, who's had a chance to draft two quarterbacks in the first round. Yes. Obviously the Rosen thing didn't work. Rosen, that's like such a cheating one though, because it was like, <laughs> well, we have the first overall pick. Oh, whoops. Can I give you my take on the Cardinals situation right now? So just the prologue for everyone who doesn't know, there's just a lot going on with the Cardinals right now where Kyler Murray, there was a report from Chris Mortensen at ESPN that I want to read it exactly because I want to get it right. He said, he tweeted this, but he said, quote, the odd vibe between the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. All 85 years of Chris Mortensen saying vibe. All right. (laughs) The odd vibe. I can't get that out of my head. The odd vibe between the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray is indeed alarming. Murray is described as self-centered, immature and finger pointer per sources murray is frustrated with franchise and was embarrassed by playoff loss to the rams and thinks he's been framed as the scapegoat i have a question for you solak very mm-hmm. important i'm going to just read this again and i want to i'm reading i'm going to say this does this not sound just remove the cardinals remove Kyler murray does this not sound like a tweet about ben simmons and the philadelphia 76ers when i read just self-centered immature finger pointer frustrated with franchise embarrassed by playoff loss Framed as he feels in framed as scapegoat. Is that not a Simmons seventy sixers tweet? It's very, it's very, very Ben Simmons seventy sixers tweet, which is funny because um, I think that a very real thing that that doesn't get covered enough is that front office executives and old head coaches, which like Cliff isn't even an old old head coach, but just like establishment sports guys, don't. Sorry, know. we're in the kitchen. It's yeah, just the, you know, we, we have I just don't think they know how to deal with gamers. Mm. I don't mm. think they know how to deal with guys. You mean like video gamers, not like yes. football, like love games, yes. like literally video I think game that, that I think that they're used to their players loving ball and being like they're probably working out four hours a day in the offseason. Really, they're only working out like an hour a day in the offseason. But those three hours difference, you can't see what they're doing. And now they've got guys like Kyler and Ben who are just like streaming on, all the time. On Twitch. And they're just like, <laughs> why aren't you sleeping or lifting? <laughs> or at the very least, like, Go party. Like, I get that. You know what I mean? They don't get, like, gaming. No, and that's the truth. So I very much think that, like, like that, like, self-centeredness and, like, that sort of a thing. I I do think that there's a little bit of that link to the 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 visual dissonance of watching a guy game and watching a guy stream and going, I don't, I don't get this, I think man. that's a good point. I also, kind of, Kyler's like, kind of an very profoundly duck. understand this because I, I don't know anything about, like, gaming. Right. Uh, honestly, does Kyler Twitch a lot? I, I don't know how that works. Okay. So Twitch isn't a verb. I mean, it is a verb, but well, not made a stream on Twitch. Yes, he streams on Twitch. Okay, twitching is not a verb, huh? Yeah, okay. I mean, twitching is a verb. It's just not. <laughs> it means what Twitch actually <laughs> means. It doesn't mean what it means. No, I get, I get yeah. you. I follow. Um, but yeah, he does, and like Simmons does, and and, and <laughs> I'm sorry, God, I'm really such funny. an old. <laughs> yeah, but okay. I think I think that's that's a part of it. But you're right. You're very right. It's very 
like I didn't think about it until you said it, but it, it rings very true. It is a Simmonsy sort of a, a of a vibe there. So I think so. So this happened, and then th- just this week, Larry Fitzgerald Sr. Uh, called Kyler Murray spoiled and needs to be humbled. And I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's father said that. So mm-hmm. again, spoiled needs to be humbled. And again, this, his father's you know a sports writer, and yeah. you know not Larry Fitzgerald said that, but wonder where that he got. He's, he's an yeah, informed right. man. So then the follow up, then Kyler Murray. His through his agent kind of puts out this giant weird Instagram or tweet like graphic. <laughs> There's no way of knowing what that was. That was like basically said, "Pay me my money for my mm-hmm. contract extension." With a lot yeah. of words around, it was basically like Kyler's worked very hard to drop yeah. this franchise Kyler from really three wins to, win to eleven. Like, yeah, oh, it was, I was like it was like oh, okay, pay me cool, in okay. very polite terms, and then. Yada, yada, yada. Steve Kime gets the GM. The Cardinals gets asked about this. Cliff Kingsbury gets asked about this. They sidestep. And then Kime and Kingsbury both get extended right after they speak at the podium to kind of dodge the questions, the timing, obviously. And like, so with all that said, um, is, now this they have this weird thing where King, sorry, there's so much prologue here, but Kingsbury's agent is Eric Burkhardt, who is also Kyler's agent. Like, yes. I will say that again, the head coach and the, and the, quarterback they don't just have the so, same agency they have the same person and let's remember why them. cliff got the job is because they thought he could build an offense for kyler you know who told them that cliff could build an offense for kyler <laughs> eric burkhardt so this is my take can i give you now my kyler take yes the cardinals are ozark this is not a spoiler but the first scene of ozark is basically jason bateman launders money yeah. And the first scene is this drug lord shows up and it's like, you stole money from me, shoots Jason Bateman's boss and then points a gun at Jason Bateman's head and he's like looking at some poster and he's like, uh, 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 more coastline than California. And he's like, what? He's like, uh, the Ozarks, more coastline than California. And so he's like, what if I launder your money through there? Wow. Then I can make you more money than you were making before. And he's like, okay. And the whole show is he now has to go to the Ozarks and make enough money to like Say justify that lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, that's the Cardinal. Steve Kime traded up for Josh Rosen, and it was a disaster, and he's going to get fired. And he's like, oh, uh, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? How's that going to work? He's like, Cliff Kingsbury. That'll be great. And yeah. now they just are stuck with this. I very much agree they're stuck with it. I don't know if Kingsbury's extension definitely means they're going to extend Kyler, though. Really? Yes. I. It, it could be that. It could also be a shot across the bow, right? Where it's like... Wasn't the timing kind of weird? Like, didn't they announce the extensions of Kingsbury and Kime like right after Kyler released that statement? Yes. I mean, a couple of days after, and it was like it was after combines. <laughs> they couldn't get questions kind about of, it. Like, funny, right? I don't know. But my thing is, um, when a key member of the nucleus that led to your playoff berth says, "I'd like to be paid," and then you go pay the other members of the right. nucleus, right. yeah, I don't think you're telling the one who asked to be paid, yeah. Because if you if you were cool with that, you would have just paid him first. Because I don't think the other guys were as publicly as as earnestly asking about it, uh, as opposed to now you kind of have Kyler saying, "Oh, you really want money? Well, look, here's a lot of money for Steve." <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of like it's like that's what I'm saying. It's like this is sort of Machiavellian. It's like you know, here, you want some oh, money? You like this? fuck you. Want this? Yeah. Yeah. We're giving it to right. this guy. Instead. And now, of course, now we have to re- recall Steve and Cliff don't go into the cap. Kyler does, and so what really remains to be seen is right. what the Cardinals do in free agency this year. Because if they give like a huge contract to Chandler Jones, then it's like, oh, they're telling Kyler that he's just not as high on their priority yeah. list. I think it so, came out today they're not going to re-sign Chandler Jones, actually. And, and, and that's like, yeah. In theory. Like, yeah, like, I don't think Chandler is back, right? And I think a part of that is because they anticipated this big 
Kyler whale of a deal. But if Kyler's like, I want it a year early and I want it to be this, this, and that, and if they want to play hardball with that, then all of a sudden I think they're going to, you know, like call up Hassan Reddick again and be like, you want to come back for 10 million per and like start to, to make some big deals to show to Kyler, like, hey, we will pay you in time. We have a plan and at the price that we will negotiate and you can't push us. And if they do make that move, this is going to get hardball y and it's going to be hilariously good content, but it's going to be scary for Cardinals fans. Yeah. So I think the bottom line, though, like overall with the Cardinals, because this was like one of the big news items that happened this week is is those extensions for Kingsbury and Kime. And I think so. My buddy Scott Barrett made this analogy and I thought it was very interesting. Basically, like in democracies, with the, especially in, like or in the U.S. <laughs> what a transition! Yeah, <laughs> oh, well, this makes a lot of sense. Look, in the U.S., you elect president every four years, but then the president, you know, if they're in their first term, they're just trying to get elected again, right? Mm. So, like, he's worried about the midterms, and then he's worried about getting reelected, and then again, he's worried about the midterms. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, your second that, term, you can do whatever you want. <clears throat> that like informs your decision making because instead of having like planting seeds for long-term growth with like the country or whatever and like they just want like results right away to look good so they can get votes this is like a similar thing with coaches who are basically trying to save their job by doing these short-term goals and short-term patches by signing whatever instead of like actually building something from the ground up and like having it have strong roots i think that's why you're seeing the cardinals decide to back Kime and Kingsbury, even though the results have been pretty mediocre, honestly. Um, so, I don't know. I, I thought that was just like an interesting way to look at it and like think about it is, um, obviously, if you know that you have the wrong guy, if they're like just terrible and shitty at their job, then yeah, you probably want to move on. But um, I think organizationally, like this is probably why the Cardinals decided to go this route. Yeah, honestly, I could talk about this forever, but I also want to get to kind of the rest of the, the quarterbacks going on because there's a lot of quarterback news, but I think that the thing that struck me, and shout out Stephen Ruiz, who is the one who said this to me while we were on Radio Row, and he's like, the trade market just evaporated for quarterback this week. Not this week, but really, like this week, it really just went away, where it's like, entering this offseason, really, we've been spoiled, right? The quarterback trade market, like, it was not a thing, quarterback switching teams. The last, like, four or five years have been really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, if you just think about the names that we thought were really going to be out there, Aaron Rodgers, the... Packers GM's out here saying he's not getting trade calls and they want to keep him. (laughs) Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll says, quote, we have no intention, end quote, of trading Russell Wilson. And then, you know, Kyler Murray, you know, we'll see what happens here, but I still think, I think he's going to end back with the Cardinals. Derek Carr seems like he's probably going to get an extension. We'll see, but it seems like Kirk Cousins, the Vikings seem like they're going to keep Kirk Cousins at least for this year. Like that seems really going to happen. And suddenly it's like, there's not much movement. And it's like, are we back to where we were probably four or five years ago, DK, where it's like, yeah, it's just, there's not many quarterbacks available. Like that's how it works. Like it's boring. Uh, I, I don't know if like there's a, I don't know if it's a bigger picture in terms of like the NFL is changing or anything like that. It might just be more this a reflection of like the quarterback class isn't very good, honestly. And and teams are like bird in hand versus two in the bush or whatever. It's like we got a good guy. Mm-hmm. Like we got a good starter. This yeah. is a Kirk Cousins is like the perfect like example of this. It's like Kirk is always the perfect example. <laughs> Any concept like proof about modern quarterbacking. Well, yeah, just Cousins. like kind of like men in general, right? Like, he's like, he's mediocre. He's fine. But he's doing just phenomenally well. He's not particularly great at anything. But look at him. And when, crushing and, listen, and when Kirk is my local representative from Western Michigan after he retires, because that's where he's <laughs> from. Oh, yeah. oh my God. He'd yes. be such a good yes. mediocre politician. It's because he's as, <laughs> as milk toast as they come. Kirk Cousins would totally be a congressman. Yep. Right, Kirk, I can't get that out of my Congress. head. Wow. Um, he's made for the revolving door. Anyway. So I think, I, I don't know if we can draw a bigger 
picture. Well, just this offseason is going to be boring. Takeaways. Yeah, I think the bottom line is in the overarching feel here at the Combine in in Indianapolis is that yeah, this quarterback thing isn't really going to happen. Like, everyone's getting so excited about all the different crazy stuff that could happen. Aaron Rodgers going to Denver, Russell Wilson going to wherever, New Orleans. And now it's just feeling like pretty much everybody's going to stay. Even the guys who are almost surely going to leave, Jimmy G, for instance, it was announced this week that he had uh, offseason, was it shoulder surgery or knee surgery? Shoulder. Shoulder surgery. Um, not Non-throwing hand, but that could put his offseason workouts like in jeopardy or at least put put like the... The timeline for a trade back potentially, and so, yeah, it's that's, um, that's a really good note though, DK, because obviously at this point, everyone just talks about this draft through the lens of the quarterbacks are bad, mm-hmm. but if the carousels musical chairs, that also affects the trade market and free agency and everything else because if these quarterbacks are bad and it's musical chairs, but there's not just music playing, right? It's more like if you you hear the music based on the market and everyone's just kind of like, oh, I cut these other chairs suck. I'm just there's gonna, gonna stay be nowhere in my chair. To I like my chair, <laughs> and that, but that's why I think. I think one, it's not like Danny said, not super indicative of where the league is moving. Simply because uh, development comes in fits and starts. Or development, like, like I think, like changes aren't perfectly linear. Where every single year it just gets a little bit more quarterback movement, a little bit more quarterback movement. I think it goes up and down. So to me, I think you know, even if this is a down year relative to our expectations for quarterback movement, I think largely quarterback movement is still going up in the league. So that's number one. I agree. Yeah. Number two is it does become a little bit of a binary proposition. I think there's either a little. Or a lot. Because I think if one big domino falls, then we start moving, right? Like yeah. if it's Green Bay, Aaron, lose Aaron Rodgers, he goes to Denver, and then they're like, yeah, we're promoting Jordan Love. Maybe it just stays quiet. Maybe it doesn't really have anything go. But I would be surprised if that deal happens and the price of it is defined and then teams don't start calling Seattle and go, okay. Right. You know, they sent you, they sent three firsts and Jerry Judy and, you know, Bradley Chubb we'll send this, this, and this. And like it kind of like sets a market for that year. And so I do think there is a flashpoint effect where if there is one move, there will be a second move and there will be a third move and the dominoes will fall. Yeah. You sounded super smart and then midway through that very nice lady who gave me cookies before I started talking to uh, her employees and um, Listen, I got distracted. They deserve to be part of great. the show. They've been part of the convention. They've been part of the combine. They deserve to be part of the, the show. Combine. The combine. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what do you think of the combine? Okay, so I want to ask you about what quarterbacks still will be traded because my rough list of teams that still need quarterbacks, I'm going to take the Saints off this on the assumption that they're going to bring back Jameis. But mm-hmm. basically, the quarterbacks who might get traded like Jimmy G, who just got knee surgery. Matt Ryan, maybe. Shoulder, I think. Oh, yeah, sorry. And then Jared Goff, who maybe, maybe. And it's like, of those three guys, and then there's these teams that kind of need quarterbacks. There's the Colts, the Steelers, the Commanders. <laughs> I guess we have Weird time. to say. The Washington Commanders. The Carolina Panthers and the Broncos. And I'm curious, of those, if you had to make one trade for one of those guys, if you're one of those teams, pick the team, pick the quarterback, what's the trade you would want to see? It makes the most sense. Solek first. What do I want to see? You... Yeah. <laughs> want to see none of this. <laughs> Close my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jimmy can work for the commanders. I think that that offense is a little bit more vertical than is ideal for Jimmy. But Jimmy does have the blind confidence to him where he's willing to make like outbreaking throws. Even if he doesn't have the best arm for it, he can. I think that he would be good for Terry in terms of the precision accuracy leading to yards after the catch. I think he'd be good for Curtis Samuel in terms of the precision accuracy leading to yards after the catch. They they can and often want it to be this past year an under center play action team, which makes sense for Jimmy. And I also think that uh, that defense was a lot worse than expectation this past season. 
But that was especially yeah. early on, and they really settled in down the back stretch, assuming they're an above average defense, which they have the personnel such that they should be. If Samuel is healthy, Terry, and then plus one weapon free agency or draft. Plus Gibson. Yeah. To me, like Jimmy in there is nine and eight. And maybe that's a playoff berth. And I think right now, like I said, Ron Rivera's hot seat. So Jimmy to Washington makes sense to me. What do they have to send? First, second, third? Oh, no, no, a second. Say, yeah. yeah, it's a second flat, maybe a third and change. Don't gotta send a first. What do you think of that, DK? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. Um, what was the do you remember off the top of your head what uh the Alex Smith trade was? Was it a second? Oh, gracious. Oh, that's a good one. Anyway, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Like, 49ers have a guy waiting in the wings in Trey Lance. They have a solid starting quarterback in Jimmy G. That was what Alex Smith was uh, with Patrick Mahomes. Third round pick in Kendall Fuller. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe Call Jimmy G. Yeah, maybe Jimmy G goes for a little bit more than that. But um, also, I think it's, it is all relative, though, too. Like, yeah. obviously, Jimmy G kind of gets like a, a bad rap and, and you know... I was always on the train that he wasn't good enough to like lead San Francisco to a Super Bowl. We didn't see that. We saw that not happen um, to a Super Bowl win, I should say. He did actually make it to the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. And he can definitely, he's, he's certainly better than Taylor Heineke in my mind. And so he can elevate that offense, um, be the Alex Smith-like ball distributor. And um, hopefully if he can cut down on turnovers a little bit, then like that's a solid offense you have there. So um, that would probably be the top one I I put on there. To come back to what Sulk said in the beginning, Washington's desperate and Jimmy G is what you need when you're a desperate team. I will say Sulk left one thing of the analysis out, which is uh, Jimmy G to Washington. A lot of hot people with a lot of confidence but thin resumes have made it very, very far in Washington, D.C. And Jimmy would add to that rich legacy. Not exactly the same color scheme, but still generally the same. So Jimmy will know how to dress around it pretty well. (laughs) Easy transition. Talk about scheme transitions. Talk about colorway transitions. Is there is there another team though that Jimmy like the dark horse for Jimmy G is so, like Indianapolis? Yes. Well, I, I think be? it's the Colts, and here's why. I, okay. I, I think Jimmy G would be fantastic for the Colts, and this kind of gets to the Carson Wentz stuff. But if you didn't see Chris Ballard, who's the GM of the Colts, I think that was uncomfortable. I, I think it is the most aggressive, not aggressive, honest, honest assessment right. of a, a quarterback I have heard. I'm not going to compare it to like when Al Davis like eviscerated Lane Kiffin because that was like hatred. That's not what happened. Yeah, Chris Ballard talked publicly in a way that I felt could have straight up been like how he talked to Carson Wentz privately as in his player evaluation, like after the season. Like if that's what the stuff he said in the meeting, it would have like been like, oh, that's fair. Like he said things like, you know, he said the criticism that Carson Wentz has received is fair. He said part of accepting um, the part of like handling criticism is admitting when it's, when it is fair. And he basically said the play isn't good enough. I mean, he said things that quite frankly, you just don't hear GM say about yeah. someone who's under contract to be their starting quarterback mm-hmm. to the point where Stephen Holder at the, at the Athletic, who does great work there, made a great point where it's like, if you how is Wentz to even come back to this building? Like the way things that have been said, it's like, it's but, too and, awkward. And, and talking about like making a Kyler to Ben Simmons comparison, this is a Carson Wentz 2022 to a Carson Wentz 2021 comparison, right? Where it's like, uh, the I shouldn't even say 2021, more like 2020 really in terms of Philadelphia tenure. Uh, the message in buildings that Carson Wentz is in continues to be about a player in the spotlight having the ability to withstand the spotlight. So it's, yes. it's in, in, the two, in the two teams he's played for, that's ended up being the message in the 11th hour as he seems to be out the door has been, 
if you're going to play this this quarterback position, Ballard said it's the most scrutinized position in sports. If you're going to play quarterback, it, it doesn't. You could be six five with a rocket and a jetpack, man. Like you have to be able to withstand the spotlight, especially when things go poorly. And so it just seems like the the experience the Colts had with Ballard. Dan Orlovsky had a tweet where he said, "Seems like Wentz is out the door, and it's eighty percent off the field. Yes, twenty percent off the leadership. I, or whatever. It is the yeah. leadership. And I I have and I, to but completely like, I don't, agree. I don't. I, don't I, I apologize. Cut you off. I don't even like leadership ability because I think that, that confidence that gives people like like how well does he rah rah in the huddle, right? Yeah. And it kind of becomes this bucket term that catches a lot of stuff, right? It's just self esteem. It's right. just hmm. what what matters to you, what doesn't, what can you filter and what can you filter out? Like we're all in the media, like we write things. Like I write a piece, I think it's cool, and then I just refresh Twitter. Like, please like let people like <laughs> this. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it it is hard to be a public facing person yes. if you don't have a way to feel good about yourself that is independent of what people are saying about you. I could not agree more. And this it comes exactly back to what you were saying about gyms and coaches not understanding the kids who are streaming on Twitch and not understanding video game kids, because what it really is about is like publicly all these athletes are tweeting things and being like oh yeah like i don't care what the haters say i don't care <laughs> in reality oh what's up matt bowen is here yeah what's, how you doing <laughs> matt bowen is watching this is actually a podcast right now <laughs> you want to come on our pod right now for, for one second yeah yeah, yeah. do you bowen. think it's one thing do you think it's weird that like a lot of these 22 year old kids are coming in and like ch checking themselves on instagram and have produced videos and like is it just strange Oh, it's at the high school level too, right, coach? Because you're a high yeah. school coach. Sure, that, that, that's one of the biggest things at the high school level now is posting your workouts. You know, having a uh, you know a videographer make a hype film for you. Sure, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. How do you deal with that as a high school coach? What do you tell kids to care about? Um, what I tell them to care about, I you know I don't mind kid, our players posting workout videos, having shown their speed training stuff like that. I have no problem with that, but. You know, when I played in high school, they didn't even have that stuff. Yeah. So you just got to, as a coach, you have to adapt to it. It's weird. Right. It's worth yeah. noting that uh, Matt Bowen's high school team, by the way, very good and very successful. It Incredible. Should be, should be mentioned at this uh, time. We've had some good teams. We've had some okay. really good football teams, some state championship teams, trying to get back to them. Went to the state semis this year and did not, we lost a really tough football game. Um well, we'll have a chance to get back. We'll have a lot of games. <laughs> look, look, look at Matt. Matt thank you so much. It's unbelievable. Just coming in good hot. Again, Matt. Matt. Yeah, good to see <laughs> you, Thanks man. a lot. Thank you, Matt. We'll catch <laughs> up later. Matt is the man. Also, for those who don't know, Matt Bowen, it's not just a high school coach. He's also literally a former NFL safety who now does ESPN analysis for uh, NFL matchup, and you can see that on ESPN. So shout out Matt for joining us. That was sweet. But no, it's it, it. I think it's really true, though, and there's a generational divide happening. But I do think there's another part of this to connect with Kyler and Carson Wentz, which is... There's a thing you don't hear necessarily when they have their post-game comments and it's boilerplate. You don't think about it. But you don't necessarily hear this loss is on me. You don't necessarily hear them saying Carson Wentz when he makes a mistake. You don't necessarily hear him being like, wow, I lost this that game. Like it's my, You know what I mean? It's like part of leadership is when you win, it's a we and when you lose, it's an I. Like, you know what I mean? Right. It's, 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 I think, it's I think a, he, he would say that in Philly. I want to give him that that moment where there, I, there are definitely times I can remember where he says, I got to play better. It's on me. The thing is that like that refrain has an expiration date. Yeah. Right? The sixth time you say it, it's like, hey, <laughs> do you suck? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like, right? it's like all right, if the loss right. is always on you and you always have to be better, are you good enough for this? And, and I think that, that that, like you said, it's a boilerplate answer. I think that oftentimes athletes feel they can lean on that longer than they can. And when the media starts to get tired of that answer and it kind of pushes into new territory, they're like, but I, but I said it was on me. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, like it yeah, feels yeah, like yeah. it should be the the the, the eject button, the, the 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 big red cord that you pull. And then, but Ballard at the end of the year is like, yeah, it's on him. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I think, yeah. I think it's. I think the. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that happened throughout the whole season, um, but that last game against the Jags, where you could just see. No, we no the Colts lost. The Colts lost. They lost their chance to go to the playoffs. Well, not just that. They had a 97% chance the Indianapolis did to make the playoffs yeah. with two weeks left. And then they lost. And then they still had the Jaguars to win. They were 14-point favorites. And they lose by 15. Yep. Yeah. So it was emotionally devastating. So, I mean, like... Plus 270, baby. It's like with Wentz. It's <laughs> the, the physical skills are there. The arm. He's got arm strength. You know, he's got mobility. Even though maybe his mobility isn't what it used to be. Um, but yeah, like bottom line, I think it was like the confidence is just not there. And I, I think, to, so to tie this all together, I think that one of the things with, with Carson Wentz is that there, it's cliche, but it's, I, I think it's true, is that there isn't love for him in that locker room. And I think that the reason I think Jimmy G makes an extraordinary amount of sense is that, generally speaking, in leadership roles, people kind of crave what they don't have. And there's it doesn't matter what industry sports industry whatever mm-hmm. a ceo gets replaced by a different kind of ceo a player coach gets replaced by a disciplinarian that's <laughs> right, right. You go the it's, swings. it's not just because on the surface you're like well wentz and, and luck sorry not andrew luck wentz and jimmy grapple both kind of make big mistakes not high upside but in the locker room i think the colts are so desperate for a guy that's beloved jimmy g is yeah. a beloved guy I've, i think that's fundamentally i do think the colts will do it. agree with that angle where you bring in jimmy and you just know all right He's going to be able to handle his business yep. here, and we can focus on other things. And that That's a big part of it. If I had to guess one quarterback who moves right now, if any of them who move, like it would be, I would make Wentz more, I'm more confident he moves than Jimmy. Yeah. And it's because it just seems like the Colts are like, we can't really run this back. If he were like right. bad and the reason we lost games, but it was okay, we could justify it. They would kind of maybe because of the money, because of the bad quarterback class, but they don't feel like they can seemingly because of the off-field stuff, because of the locker room shot, because of how, how he's, he is, you know, handling himself. So I think Wentz is almost guaranteed to move. And in that way, I think Jimmy makes so much sense as the other guy who's really likely to move and also is the salve they need in the locker room. Who's going to be the team that trades for him? If, if anyway, Wentz. Yeah. I think Panthers. Lot, I think, it, yeah. So Carolina always. Yeah. Carolina would tra- could trade for any <laughs> right now. There's yeah. no way of knowing. Uh, I think Denver does make a lot of sense as a mm. Rogers consolation prize. I think that Wentz is better than Locke. I think that Wentz is better than Bridgewater. Yeah. I think he's also tall, big, strong arm, which is kind of how John Elway's liked him. Right. Uh, strapped, liked him strapped over the yeah. years. Um, I've heard people be like, oh, Wentz to Tampa. I think Bruce Arians would oh, suplex boy. that guy. Oh, boy. Uh, so Are I you don't, kidding me? I don't buy that one. So yeah. to me, Denver. And then like, you but know. Can you imagine decision-making-wise going from Tom Brady to Carson Wentz? Can you imagine watching it'd Tom be, Brady make decisions and then Wentz? different. <laughs> I, so yeah, you can't do that. To me, to me, Denver makes sense as like I we wanted Rogers. We planned the whole ship around Rogers. Or shoot, Rogers not available. Who's available? Carson Wentz is available. Let's get Carson Wentz in here. Yeah, sort of a thing. Yeah. Okay. Tika, uh, did you have a trade left with quarterbacks, or are you all good? Um, I don't know. I, I think like honestly, that we we're running through a list of guys that potentially could get traded. Quarterbacks that could get traded. I think Matt Ryan was on that list. I don't really think he's he's going anywhere. I think his cap hit something in the forties in in forty million something. Um, I don't think anyone's going to trade for that. I think the Falcons want to try and compete anyway. Um, the name Jared Goff has been thrown around a little bit this week as a potential trade guy, especially if 
you know, the Lions do something that a lot of people aren't expecting and they trade a, and they draft a quarterback at number two, or they still they also have a quarter, uh, pick at 32, so they could pick a late-round guy, a late first-round, I should say. Um, but, you know, if they end up going that route, picking a quarterback, they may want to just get, you know, get Goff out the door. So I think those are the other two guys that are potentially on this list. Are we missing anybody here? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I, that's the I whole think, point. Yeah, I think Kirk Cousins is just like a probably not traded because no. of money thing. And I think that Kevin O'Connell is obviously fine with him because he knows him. Or Kevin Coach, O'Connell, Vikings head coach. Kevin, Kevin O'Connor, O'Connor, Kevin, Kevin O'Bomber. Yeah, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin, o- Kevin O'Connor. Um, Shout out to your NBA yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, the, the Derek Carr endorsement to me was the most ringing of the week, right? There was definite smoke that the Raiders were willing to move off of him with the old guard. It seems very clear the new guard was brought in because they are committed to Derek Carr. Right. Like McDaniels was brought in because he was going to build this around Carr. Carr is one year left on his deal is an extremely cheap year. Um, and if cars, if this is legit and the Raiders really love Carr, then Carr's agent should be in McDaniel's ear tomorrow. Like, let's make an extension happen here. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You guys want to get some emails? Let's do it. Love an email. All right. I got a lot of emails. Emails at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. We're taking draft questions. We're taking combine questions. We're taking serious questions. We're taking definitely taking a lot of silly questions and weird fun facts. Pronunciation whatever. questions. Pronunciation. Well, let's get right to it. Ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Josh emailed us. Josh. Because we had the, the, the joke where the combine should be called the combine. Yeah. They ran, they ran a poll on this uh, on, on Twitter. My combine pronunciation did not go over well. So... With, you know? Shocking. Uh, Josh says that also applies to something you may not have heard of, which is consider the co- the combine combine mm-hmm. in farming is used to harvest wheat, corn, soybeans, stuff like that. Once upon a time, harvesting was essentially two steps. It was reaping, which is you cut the plant stalk, and then threshing, which is you remove the grain from the stalk. And then one day, someone combined reapers and threshers into one machine, and they called it a combine. And he's like, Josh says, I don't know how many people even know what a combine is, but I grew up on a farm, and when I learned about the reason why the combine is called a combine, it blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. What's really frustrating is somebody made a thresher-reaper combination machine and then called it, like, the threeper or the thresher, <laughs> right? Like, which is even hard, more hardcore than thresher and reaper. And they were like, oh, I combined them. That's the most important <laughs> word in this sentence. So let's get on the pitch. They, so the bottom line is, look, Craig is correct. Craig, who is not here right now, unfortunately, we love you, Craig. Uh, the noun is pronounced combine, and the yes. verb is pronounced announced. Not pronounced as fun as combine. we had just. We should have just gaslit people to do the combine. Yeah. However, we had so n- number one, the combine. This history of the farm machinery combine is great. I think that's good context. We also had someone pointing out on Twitter um, that. Maybe they named the combine, the combine, after the combine, the farming equipment, because the farming equipment combine separates the wheat from the chaff. It's like right. a metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> like, for how the no, NFL combine works. They're not that clever. Yes. 
every Sorry, year let's just come up with a new uh what's what's like etymology a new etymology yeah, like a, a mythology yeah, for yeah. why the name oh, combine come is up with a different story yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely like the black pearl uh, yeah. and pirates of the caribbean oh wait speaking of which that's the best transition i've ever had not really i probably incepted myself subconsciously but alan sent us an email that said oh i think God, this kitchen's busy. They don't even have food. Who are they cooking for? I don't They're know. They're cooking for the kids. Players, probably. Out. No, the players don't get any food. What do you think this is? They just have to do physical activity. They don't get fed. Anyway, Alan says, I listened to all of you guys Alan. go back and forth on combine versus co combine. And it got me thinking that when you say Caribbean, <laughs> mm -hmm. do you say Caribbean or Caribbean? Pirates of the Caribbean. I say I, it depends on the context. In, in all contexts mm -hmm. except for one, I say Caribbean. And but, then if I'm saying the word Pirates of the Caribbean, I say Caribbean. Dude, that's literally, so, so Alan literally said that. And he said Craig. his family feels the same way. Wait, Craig. Craig is who was listening to us on a, on the Zoom says, agree. Dude, no, so that's what Alan wrote in the email. He's like, I've pulled my entire family, my friends, yeah. everybody, and everyone just, the only context mm. where you say Caribbean is the Pirates movie. And it's like, how did they do that? Yeah. Why? How so did they get like us? the name of the combine. Do you, do you, <laughs> is, right, so, do you pronounce either, either the same way that you pronounce neither, neither? Oh, I say either and neither. Yeah, so you're good. Okay. Either, neither. I think it's how smart I'm either trying to sound. No, you're not good. Either and neither. No, I say yeah. it. I like yeah, opposite. Yeah, you do either and then neither. <laughs> yep. That's right. how emphatic I am. It's like... Yeah. If you, oh, uh, no. Yep. Words are stupid. <laughs> neither. I'm a neither guy. And we're podcasters. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, words are English, neither. especially like words are stupid, but the English language is especially stupid in terms right. of like irregulars and stuff. Okay, episode from Corey. Corey, Corey, in your episode recent, or a question? Email. I was reading the email. Oh, okay. In your recent episode, when you guys did your two jargons, one lie, Solak mentioned he made up the term Alice in Wonderland. Yes. And Craig got it right. I got it wrong. And he said, during my senior year of undergrad, I was a psych major. Well, I think it was a psych major the whole time, but you just put yeah, parentheses. Yeah. I took a course called Rare and Unusual Disorders. Mm. One of the disorders we learned about was Alice in Wonderland Syndrome, oh? which is basically, it alters how you see other people's bodies, like in the wrong proportions. Oh, eat me, drink me, sort of big and small. What? Like, like when Alice oh, yeah. goes first down the rabbit yes. hole, she gets the, the eat me tree and the drink me bottle and yes. makes her small and makes her big. I think Here Ben's the only one that actually has seen Alice say. in Wonderland. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I don't actually remember so, it. Big Cheshire Cat guy. Exactly. <laughs> Emails at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com if you're really mad that we have not uh, read Alice in Wonderland. Anyway, so Solik says, more often than not, no, so not Solik, sorry, Josh. No, Alan? Who's Corey? Well, Jesus. Lock it down, Dan. I'm my father. That's how my father talks. <laughs> She's like, who, who are you? Susan? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. So more often than not, you know, the head and the hands are like disproportionately like mm -hmm. large oh, for people with Alice in Wonderland syndrome or like, you know, just they're the wrong size. Mm -hmm. So in other words, perhaps Kenny Pickett has Alice oh. in Wonderland syndrome. What a full wow. circle podcast. <laughs> and we're back home to where we began. That was incredible. Oh boy. Good Alice in Wonderland syndrome. I had no idea. Hopefully Whew. I keep stumbling into those during the rest of Two Jargons and One Lie. Unbelievable. Okay. So we're not going to do two jargons in one lie today because no, Craig. Craig's not here. And, and yeah, we're holding out for Craig. Uh, R.A.P. Craig. He'll be back. Mm -hmm. So we're going to come back with more two jargons and lies than you've ever heard in your life. So four jargons. Can I, up, can I come up with one? Yeah. I'll do yeah. one. Oh, yeah. I want to quiz yeah. people. I haven't been having you do them. I don't know. Solek is really good at it, but I would like to also try. Yeah, that'd be good, actually. Okay, cool. I don't know why we just... Yeah. All right. Yeah, you can both do it. We'll do four jargons <laughs> and two lies. Uh, okay. 
Thank you, DK. Thank you, Solex. Shout out Matt Bowen for yes. being a legend. Oh, yeah, that was great. Stopping and talking. By the way, to just a picture. Time. We're sitting out in like the concourse of the convention yeah. center. We're sitting out in like the least <laughs> pictures on Radio hallway. Row. You are wrong. We're yeah. all sitting like legs yeah. crossed. Right. Yes. And Matt Bowen walked by, and all three of us did like a oh look, this Matt Bowen. And then Matt Bowen did like oh, I'm gonna come say hi. And then <laughs> I was like, like oh, I'm on a podcast. Maybe I won't. And then we're like, yeah, we're just gonna get. He Matt tried to get away. By the way, why are these people like sitting down? Also, it's like Radio Row. Let's put all the people recording next to each other. It's like, dude, it's so loud. Down there. It's so loud. <laughs> it is very loud. It's unbelievable. Okay. I think that's all we got. Thank you to the kitchen staff for working mm-hmm, very hard mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. are serving Indiana Convention Center. People time, food. Time. I assume it's um everyone's getting fed except the players. Everyone else, I assume that's who the food is. You don't for. think they're getting food? You know there's also a pig veterinarian society uh yeah. convention here at the same time. Yeah. Pig veterinarian. I believe it's pig swine veterinarian. Swine swine, swine right. conve- veterinarian. Really? Yeah. And their tagline is like Pigs are animals too, or something. That's like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I didn't doubt their status as an animal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's also a there's also a work safe and safety and health convention yeah. happening. Uh, I, I, dream, I think that's multiple yeah. conventions. I think that's addressing like, I, the I pandemic of, thing that's been yeah, going on. This is my fourth combine. I dream of doing a piece where I go over a decade. I just get notes on the other conventions that, that are happening be here. Great. Yo, that's we gotta a good cut bit. that. You yeah. gotta do that. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be so <laughs> funny. Greg, cut that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That's brilliant. Okay. All right. So thank you to the swine vets. Thank you to the public safety people. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the, to the kitchen staff. Thank you, Matt Bowen. Thank you, Silk. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig, who's here in spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Allison Chains. Oh, oh wow, that was good. Look at you connecting things back. I know, I'm from Seattle-ish. You can just say Seattle. If you're like in that, if if I would never know the name of your town and you're within two hours of like a huge city, you can just say the city. I mean, that's, yeah, that's why I knew that. I did live in Seattle for 15 years, so I feel like I get credit, Uh, but I'm not from there per se. Goodbye, everyone.